Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Today, I just want us to um, go through a topic which I feel is um, extremely relevant for us Christians. It is something that we always think about and we always assume that we do, and that is following Jesus Christ. We are all in here today because we are the followers of Jesus Christ. We are the Christians. Um, And it has a very specific meaning for so many of us. Uh, We do profess, you know, at times, or many times, that we we do know the Lord Jesus Christ. We do um, profess that we, we follow him. But when I speak to many people, when I listen to um, what people say, and you know, when you look around you, you'll find out that so many people who actually are Christians still struggle with one very single thing, and that's still the way of following the Lord Jesus. It is something that we do struggle with. On a daily basis, we do struggle. We do struggle to make commitments. We do struggle to read the Bible. We do struggle to find time to pray. We do struggle... Um, to follow Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ has given these instructions from the very beginning to those who are his disciples, to those who helped him to set up a very powerful ministry where today we have about 2 billion Christians around the world. 2 billion people professing that they do follow Jesus Christ. He started with a few people and is today 2 billion people. And we believe we are part of these people. We believe we are the followers of Jesus Christ. So that is true for me and it is true for you. But what is also true is the struggles that we have. And there might be so many reasons why we are not the Christians we are meant to be. There may be so many reasons why we are not optimizing that which the Lord has given us because of so many things happening in our lives, happening externally, happening, you know, that prevent us from following the Lord Jesus. And I feel today that we need to actually go back to the basics. What it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Many of us will think, you know what? It is a story that we are happy to say to the children because it's for Sunday school, right? It's a Sunday school material. You know, all the children will sing, oh, I follow Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ. We have made our decision. We are happy about that. But there is more to it, to the calling. I want you to actually think just for a minute of what it meant for you personally when the Lord has called you. How did it happen? Just think about that. How did you come to the Lord Jesus Christ? Under which circumstances? Was it out of pain? Out of despair? Was it out of hurt? Was it out of, you know, being just lost with things happening in life? Everybody has been called by the Lord Jesus Christ. And many have responded and many more are yet to respond. But we want to actually be sure that this calling to which we first of all signed up, say yes, Lord, we will follow you. We want to make sure that we carry on. So it's not just follow Jesus Christ, it's go on following the Lord Jesus Christ. It's something that is meant to be active, something that is meant to be done every single day. And today I'd like you to open your Bible, please, to um, Matthew And let's read chapter 4. Let's go through Jesus' calling the first few disciples. There are certain ingredients in that scripture that I believe 
will help us today to understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Matthew 4, and that is from 18 to 22. I read, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Immediately they left the boat and their fathers and followed him. So first of all, I think it is a scripture that is very much known. I think many of us have heard about Jesus calling, you know, going on his, his, his Galilean ministry and calling people who were actually busy with their lives, calling them to actually do something. And that's the same way. We were probably busy with our life when Jesus called us. It might have been a month ago, six years ago, it doesn't really matter. The truth is Jesus called us. Who is the one who called us? Jesus Christ. Who is that Jesus? He asked to his disciples before, who do people say that I am? Is Jesus Christ the Savior, the one who died for us on the cross of Calvary, the one who gave everything in heaven to come to earth and to die for people who despised him, people who spat at him, people who killed him? Is the Jesus Christ who is the giver of life? Is the one that we serve. And he's the one who came and was passing by and called four men, two sets of brothers who were going about their daily businesses. He called them. And you see, to that calling, many people will say, all right, it is only unilateral. He called them and they just had to respond. No, they just didn't have to respond. When Jesus called us, we didn't necessarily have to respond. The proof is today many people do not respond. But he called them and they responded. And that is very important here that the Bible mentioned they immediately left their net and followed him. That's verse uh, 20 and 22. Immediately they left the boat and their fathers and followed him. So these people left everything that they had. And we know it. They left everything that they had. The Bible doesn't mention how successful the business, the fishing business was. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't mention how well they were doing, whether they were profitable, whether they were running the business at a loss. He doesn't mention it. But the truth is they were busy doing something, probably for the livelihoods of their families. The same way we are busy on our daily lives doing something, going to work, going to school, going to study, for the livelihood of our families or either for our own progress in life. Sometimes we do go on studying because we want to attain more qualification. We want to actually get on the top of the society. We want to do so many things. And that is good on its own. I'm not condemning it. What I'm just saying is that we are all busy. But here there is a call. There is a point where the lives of these men stopped. It changed completely from the time they were called by Jesus Christ. And that's the same thing for us. 
When Christ called us, our lives changed radically. Our lives was transformed because what we were doing before, we probably didn't have any idea as to how to live our lives. We probably didn't know exactly what it meant, eternal life. We didn't know necessarily how to actually mend our own business, mend our own net. Or we were probably entangled in so many other things. But remember, all things are passing away. Only one thing is needed, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is not passing away. Phil mentioned earlier, he is alive. And it's something that we need to remember. Our Savior is alive. It's not a very nice story just for the people, just for the young children to believe in the fallacy. It is a God who is alive today and who knows each and every one of us because he has written us on the palms of his hands. Because he knows every single hair accounted on our head. Because he's the God who knows us by name. That's Jesus Christ who called us at that time. And when he called they responded. They responded because they had probably, they, had, they probably hadn't known him. You know, I mean, think about it. A stranger comes into your life and you are in the middle of your day, in the middle, at work, in the middle of something, and say, stop what you are doing, come and follow me. You'll probably tell him, yeah, well, you're joking, right? Well, who are you? you know, why do, what gives you the right to come and stop my life and tell me to follow you? You know, where are you leading me? How am I going to, to come back? How long for? We are going to ask the person, how long for? Okay, I can come with you, but how long for? When am I going to come back to what I was doing? It's natural. That's human. You know, that's, that's our, the response is natural. But then it was actually asking them to follow him and didn't tell them you will come back to your business. They didn't ask all these questions to the Lord. They followed him. Immediately left whatever they were doing. And that is actually probably a reason why today Christianity has expanded so much. Probably one of the reasons why the ministry of Jesus Christ was so successful. But the truth is, today we are the people that God has called. And we should never forget that. No matter what the situations are that we are going through, we are the called of the Lord. And as such, we have been commissioned for a special mission. Because the calling of Jesus, as I said, is twofold. The first one is calling to salvation. And that's what we identify with. That's what we are comfortable with. Jesus calls us, he saves us, we respond, yes, we believe in him, and we are saved. And then we are comfortable staying with that. This story is talking about calling, as in following Jesus Christ, for a specific work, for a specific assignment, for a mission. As such, you respond to that calling means that you decide that you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Not on the Sunday, not only when it suits you, not only when you are comfortable in doing that, but at all times, on a very daily basis, discarding the sacrifices that need to be made. You respond to the work that God is calling you to perform. He says, come so that I will make you fishers of men. So there is a purpose in the calling. There is a purpose in the way Jesus Christ called his, 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 his disciples to follow him. And this purpose is the one we struggle with. It is all good to say we are Christians, but what next? The next bit is the assignment, the mission. You know that there are ambassadors all over the place, many different countries, when they have relationship with other countries, they decide to have ambassadors. And these ambassadors not only represent their own countries, but they need to make sure 
that they understand the policies, at least the foreign policies of these governments that they represent. And they need to make sure that whenever they go out and make a speech or sign a document on behalf of their government, it is in line with the mission. Our mission is to spread the word. Now, let's go back. How, well, when was the last time actually, and that is not to expose anybody, but when was the last time that we really went on doing our mission? that we really spoke to somebody, the undiluted truth of the gospel. When was the last time we sacrificed some time to speak to somebody and say, hey, I have something for you. Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ needs you. He died for you. Not telling people our own stories. Not telling people how good our church is. Not about the mezzanine project. Not about the nice activities we have on, on Sunday. Telling people the gospel. The gospel is not you. It's not me. It's Jesus Christ. When was the last time we did it? And that response, you have it. And I'm not here to judge it. But it's just I like that sometimes we take that mission a bit more casually than we ought to. That mission is still true today as it was more than 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ called these four men. And that's why I want us today to reflect on that mission. Because the truth is, just for the sake of King Church, we have a project going on where we are going to have a very nice building, probably leading us into the future generation. You know, with all the little, little, little things that we need to have, more capacities, it will be purpose-built, it will be enjoyable. But... What good will be to have a building that is future-proof without the souls in there to fellowship and to worship God? And these souls can only come if we do our part, if we play our part, which is to actually go on that mission. And that mission is the soul-winning mission. I became a Christian today because somebody sacrificed probably his time to come and speak to me about a God I thought I knew by self-righteousness, but that in fact... I was actually shying from in my daily life. And that's why I'm here today. And that's certainly true for you as well. Somebody spoke to you. You became a Christian because somebody sacrificed that time. Somebody went about fulfilling that assignment. And today, it is important, we remember, this mission is very strong. It is for the kingdom of God. And therefore, these four men, we look at them, they, Simon, Peter, or Simon, Peter, Andrew, and John, and, and, and James, they had not thought for a second, what else? What is it in it for us? Why do you call us? Why not the neighbor? Why not the other guys that are fishing with us? Why us? They didn't actually initially know, certainly, that it was a blessing. It is a blessing for Jesus to call us because our life is completely transformed. We have hope. I didn't have hope a few years back. Now I have hope. I have hope that I will die one day and I will live with him forever. I have hope that, you know, whatever I acquire today is not meaningful, but living and knowing Christ is meaningful. Paul said that he's lost everything. Everything is counted loss for the gain of knowing Christ. And today, you know what? We are leaving it easy. Because God is not asking you to leave your job today. God is not asking you today to leave your families. He is not asking you to leave your children. 
God is just asking you to fulfill the mission. So we don't have to leave what we are doing to follow God. And that's where it is easy for us. We don't have to actually think twice about spreading the news. We won't be incarcerated. We won't be jailed. There are countries where it is impossible to do so. Where Christians are actually martyred. Where Christians are actually killed. Prevented to share the gospel. But we are in England. It is a free country. You can speak. You can say something. If somebody doesn't like it, you will say, sorry, mate. I don't have time. But it's a free country. And God wants us to do it. So what do we do about it? Well, you know what? We look at the challenges we have. We look at the comfort zone we are in. We look at the continents of people, how they will respond. We look at, okay, I'm not too sure. Truth is, we are all empowered to do that mission. And when Jesus called these four men, and when Jesus Christ called you and when he called me, he gave us this empowerment to do that mission, to fulfill that mission. It's through the Holy Spirit. It is not by what we know, it is by how the Holy Spirit uses us to speak to people. And that's why even the testimony of Karen is extremely positive this morning. I didn't know it will come at this time. But God wants to use each and every one of us to be seed sowers in the lives of people. Not keep the seed for yourself. You have a treasure. It's not the kind of treasure that you have won the, the, the lottery and then you need to, to keep your gains and just enjoy that with your, with your family. It is a treasure that God is asking us to share to other, with other people. So therefore, God is asking us that we be in that society, in that world, with our friends, with our families, even with strangers, that we be like a light in the world, that we shine the darkness in their room, that we, we produce that light. And that can also be through our attitude. It can be through the way we behave on a daily basis. Many people today are focused on following other things. We are focused on following football games. I mean, yesterday I was watching um, the, the, what is it, Champions League. Champions League final. And clapping for Chelsea. Sorry for you, are not Chelsea fan, I'm not. But I was still clapping for them. And many people traveled, left their villages, left their towns, left their places in the UK. Some people travel far away from Asia, Africa, to find themselves in, in, in Germany, to cheer after their teams. You know, we follow these guys who are paid extreme, a lot of money, but we follow them with passion. We like football, I mean, for those who do. But ultimately, what does it mean? It means that sometimes we go to the extent that we need to to satisfy the pleasure in following the one we trust. The youth have all these superstars, you know, these idols, these pop singers, you know. They sing, sometimes some of the words I don't really understand. But they do sing, and people are clapping, people are dancing, yeah? people are cheering them up. Yeah? And these people don't necessarily give something that is positive in terms of a spiritual seed. We dress after... We look after them, the way they dress, we try to replicate it. They wear big crosses on their necks, so we need to wear big crosses on our necks. But the cross means something for us. Sometimes we follow friends. I mean, they have an Xbox, why do I have only you know, a mobile phone? I need an Xbox, I need a PlayStation. And then therefore, we follow what is fashion, because we don't want to be left behind. There are so many people that we follow for the wrong reasons. People that we believe should have a foot impact on our lives. But ultimately, they bring little to us. 
Jesus Christ is the one to follow. Because he brings eternal life. He brings eternal life. He brings salvation. He brings hope. He brings trust. He brings peace. Joy and happiness. That's what Jesus brings. And he is entitled as the Savior, as the King of Kings, to come into your life and to say, follow me. It is his mandate. He's come for the purpose to saving you and me. So he's entitled to come and say, say, you know, follow me. And that's what the disciples realized. And they followed him immediately. If I were to call to them to say, can you please go and bring me a glass of water? Maybe you might drag your feet a little bit. Maybe you might say, I haven't got time. Maybe you might tell me, go and find somebody else. But these disciples went on task immediately, without thinking, without reservation, for the master. Today, God wants us to do something. The mission is real. And he doesn't want us to get, you know, the feeling that the mission should be diluted because less people are going about it. Do you know that God can use you in the life of somebody the way he could never have you somebody else to do that work? And that's why you and I are signed up too. There is a cost to following Jesus Christ. And many people don't like the notion of cost. We like to get things free. Buy one, get one free. We like to, that's, that's the way we are. We like getting things free. But there is a cost associated to following the Lord Jesus Christ. What is that cost for you? What does it mean to leave your comfort zone and to go out just for the purpose of making sure that you obey that command? How hungry and thirsty are we today to fulfill that mission? It is easy for us to stay on the backyard in our gardens and enjoy a very nice Easter away from church. But what's the purpose of Easter? It is easy for us to know that somebody has a need in the church and not respond to that because after all, you know what? I also have need of it. It is easy for us not to think beyond tomorrow. We are like, let's look at what's happening today. Tomorrow, let's look at what's happening tomorrow. Let's look at what we want to do in five weeks, in six months. But we forget that the very tomorrow we should look after is the tomorrow with Christ Jesus. That's the tomorrow that matters. And if this tomorrow matters with the big T, then we will go about that mission. And you know what? The more you do something, the better you become at it. So if the first time God is calling you to say, follow me, and I will make you that fisher of men, and you say, Lord, I haven't got anything to throw. I don't have any net. I don't have any ability. I don't know what I will say. God will say, just do it. That's the logo of Nike, actually. Just do it. Now, it's the motto of Jesus Christ. Just do it. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He will help you to send that net. He will help you to catch that person. And he will help you to speak the true word of God undiluted in the life of that person. And the person will be set free. Because God is a God who answers prayers. You shouldn't look at the challenges and your limitations. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is about Christ Jesus. And it is about his mission. And he knows how he will fulfill that mission through you. If you respond. But then we have responded. So that's fine. Now the challenge is, is that we have our own work and our own businesses. And we have fears. And that's where I want actually to come to. At times I do sit on the line going to London fine, you know, my daily commute. And I'm always praying to the Lord, Lord, give me an opportunity to sow the seed in somebody's life. That's my prayer. 
Truth is, whenever you try God on that matter, he will show himself very strong. Karen just mentioned it and she's laughing because God responds. You want me to use you? I can use you. Are you ready? And when God makes the opportunity, you say, maybe it's not now. Maybe it is for another day. Right? And then I sit on the, the, the train and I see somebody and um, the person looks very, you know, straight, you know, doesn't want to discuss, you know, straight faces, you know, well-dressed, so how can I approach him? And then you start thinking, what's the first line, you know? They teach you in communication courses that when you speak to a customer on the phone, the very first two minutes dictate how the rest of the communication is going to go. For the salespeople, they always put a high pitch in the first two minutes, because if they miss it out, they will not make a sale. And sometimes we think for ourselves that, okay, the same thing, you know, you approach somebody, hi, I'm Jean-Louis. So? <laughs> so? And then you're like, okay, sorry, I disturbed you. <laughs> and then you go back to your place. But the truth is, you are the ambassador of Christ Jesus. So you should actually go boldly, right? Not aggressively, but boldly. There are people that you look at and they are massive people, very big. They flex their muscles and you think that if this person becomes very upset with me, I'm out of there, right? But this person is still a person that God cares for. It is a soul that God wants to get into the kingdom. It is a soul that God wants to get through you. And why will you then look at the things that are seen? Why do you not look at the way Christ wants to use you and then speak to that person? Right. I tend not to do evangelism with ladies because it gets taken the wrong way. But at least for my brothers, I try to actually be a bit more direct. Hey, I'm Jean-Louis. Thank you. And then speak to them. Well, what you need to say, the Lord will say through you what you need to speak to them. You don't need to actually bash them quickly with, oh, I'm a Christian, do you know Jesus Christ? You know there is hell, there is heaven, and Christ came to save you. That's not the way to go. There's a bit more diplomacy around it, you know, but still put the message that you need to put through. I will tell you that I met somebody, um, and that was uh, where I was working previously, and um, it was a fellow just coming through the lift, and I thought, okay, let me just introduce myself. I introduced myself to the guy, and um, um, he responded, thankfully, so we started chatting about everything and anything, how long he's been in the company for, you know, talk, you know, pet talk, you know, cheap one, you know very quickly, and um, I managed to get his contact details in the company. And I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually get to understand whether he's a Christian because I felt at that point that God was telling me to speak to this person. And um, the next week, I, um, I, sent, I mean, I sent him an email as soon as I, get to, I got to my desk. Okay, nice meeting you. This is my contact details. Let's catch up sometime for tea or coffee. And then three days later, I followed that up. And uh, are you free? anytime soon. He wasn't free, so we met the following week. But then what I realized in meeting him is this is somebody who has been extremely, who has been extremely bruised by life. He's somebody where the parents are following a religion, and I'm not going to name the religion, are following a, a religion that is antagonistic to Christianity, and he's somebody who has actually had double mind about it. He's somebody who has actually not made a choice for himself. And I decided then to follow up. I understood now why God brought me close to that person. And I started actually saying, well, the truth is Jesus Christ is the way. How many times have you heard Jesus Christ is the way? How many times have you responded to that? Yeah, he's the way. Where is he leading me? But Jesus Christ is the way, and that's what the Bible tells us, and that's why we believe. Let somebody prove you otherwise, because they can't. 
So Jesus Christ is the way. That's a statement. How can I demonstrate it? I know it saves me. And that's why you can actually put your story in Jesus' story. You know, not your story above Jesus' story. Never mix it. Right? Let Jesus' story be first. And then you can talk about your own story. Ultimately, to cut the long story short, um, this guy started inviting him to a fellowship we used to have weekly in Canary Wharf, and he started coming. Started coming, started coming. And um, I changed jobs, so I followed up with an email last week just to find out that this person just lost his dad. And because he lost his dad, he felt that God was not with him. He felt that sort of God has, has forsaken him, that there was not really God. He lost his sister two, two years ago, now losing his dad. And that is tough, especially when you are still not sure that there is a God and you, you don't know what there is after that. And I was happy that I, I was able to follow up. And I had arranged after work on Friday to meet up with him. I went through the same experience, so I know what it is about. But ultimately, God is the God of all comfort. And that was the only message that I had to give to him. And yesterday I received an email saying, thank you. I haven't known you for too long, but you have made a big difference in my life. And I smiled. Because that's what we are meant to be, flavor in people's life. That's the reason why Jesus Christ is saying, go out and be the person I want you to be and speak the truth to that person. Being a Christian is good in terms of we have been saved. But don't dissociate your Christianity with the calling of being gospelers, of being people who go out about their missions, whether it is day or night, whether you are tired or not. When the opportunity arrives, please grasp it. I mean, if the opportunity arises today to actually have a 5,000 pound holidays, you know, in Barbados, free of charge, all what you need to do is raise your hand. Even if you are tired, you will jump and raise your hand and get that price and go to, on holidays. So we are going to do what we want to do as long as we identify that it suits us. Christianity is not meant to suit us. Christianity is not meant to be only nice. Christianity is not meant to be the easy part. The story of Christianity is a story of love. It started with love. The love that God has for you. And the same love God has for you, he has the same love for other people, by the way. But it started with love. He carried on with a sacrifice and death. He was bloody. Because the sacrifice, Christ has to sacrifice himself for you and the other people. And then he finishes with hope. So this Christianity is difficult to follow. And I understand that we all are entangled with our own daily lives. But today, what is that mission? It's not just for the pastor, please. It's not just for the leaders in the church. It's not just for the Sunday time. It is for every single time. It is for every single people that you see on the street that you can speak to or the Lord is leading you to speak to. Don't be shy. Because you never, never know what God can do through your words. Amen. And today, what I just want to find out, remember that there are people, and I want us to quickly look at some of the scriptures that um, in uh, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. We cannot do good works and we cannot go about our mission if we do not trust that the Lord who has called us is a faithful God and is a loving God. And if we do not trust, that's the one that needs to be glorified. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that our light can only shine if 
the gloss of Jesus Christ is upon our life. And if the gloss of Jesus Christ is upon our life, it will shine and shine and shine. But how do we take this gloss away from our life? Is by being focusing on the things that do not profit, the things that are not profitable. And to tell you the truth, it's fine to go on our daily routine. It's fine to come to church every single Sunday to tick the box that we are present. Even when at church, we are actually thinking on what are we going to do next. It is fine. But what matters is not ticking the box. What matters is how you let your light shine as soon as you step out of this church. What matters even is how you influence even other Christians among you. I mean, sometimes we are quite good at having perception about other people, judging them before actually the Lord has judged them, thinking things that we should not necessarily think about people. But let's just give them a benefit of a doubt. Let's just try to understand if people are struggling with one thing or the other and be the person that God can use. Many people have, are going through difficulties at the moment, but how much do we know if we are never ready to sit and listen? If we are never ready to actually say, hey, I have a word for you. It is the heart of somebody caring, somebody wanting to do that which God has called you to do. And the Lord knows that you have your own difficulties. But he still used the people in the Bible who were not necessarily well. He still used people in different circles of life just for his work. And today, if having a difficulty means that we cannot fulfill that mission, it means that we are not worthy. The Bible says that nobody having put their hands to the plow and going back is fit for the kingdom and for the work in the kingdom. You have tested that Jesus Christ is good. You have tested that he is holy. You are worshiping him as king in your life. Then we need to actually carry on and being used as tools in his hands. Tools in his hands means that we can be fashioned. It means that we can be molded by the potter. Remember, we are the clay. It means that we can actually be shaped any way God wants. But what we need to do is to respond with immediacy, as the apostle did. Why do you want to postpone for tomorrow what God is instructing you to do today? Do you remember the story of these two men? And Jesus took the parable of these two young men. And their father went, came to them and told them, look, I want you to do something. He said to the first one. And the first one said, okay, I wouldn't do it. So he then changed his heart and went to do what the father told him to do. And then the second one, who was the youngest one, the father asked him, can you go and do this thing for me? And he said, yes, I will go and do it, but ended up not doing it. What is Jesus Christ saying is that, who do you think will be justified in front of the Lord? Is it the first one who's promised, who has decided not to do it and ended up doing it? Or the second one who, who decided to who say that he will do something and ended up not doing it. And if at first we haven't responded the way God expects us to respond, and we say, Lord, we follow you, and we will go on that mission, and then we'll be fishers of men, and, therefore, and, and, and if we find there is little in our net, then maybe we should start actually saying, Lord, we are changing our mind. We initially told you no, but we'll go and do it. We initially told you we were busy and we'll go and do it now. We initially told you, Lord, we didn't have time because we didn't know what it means. 
but we'll go and do it. Lord, we told you, we didn't think about the cost. But Lord, you are the one who gives the enablement, so we'll go and do it. That's what God wants us to do today. And I think it's not just, again, for Sunday school. It's a message that I believe each and every one of us needs to reassess daily. What do we do? How do we behave ourselves? How can we be the salt in somebody's life? How can we change the dynamics of what's going on out there? What can we do to make sure that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven grows? What can we do? What's our part to play? How can we do that the best way we can? God doesn't want you to be perfect, but he wants an obedient heart. That's all what he wants. And today, let's just, want, let's just recommit to God to be these people that God wants to use. In Luke, you find the same story, but the people say, Lord, first of all, let me go and bury my dad. Other people say, Lord, let me just go and say bye-bye to my family. And God says, let the dead bury the dead. Let these things be. Just follow me. What is holding us today? What is making us to go back, wanting to go back to where we are not supposed to be? What is the key struggle that we face to fulfilling that mission? I tell you what, if we don't fulfill the mission as ambassadors, then our mandate as ambassadors is removed. The people who are ambassadors in all these countries, they need to demonstrate the results. And at the end of time, at the end of days, when Jesus comes back, he will ask us, about what we've done and how faithfully we've done it. We don't want our mandate to be removed. We don't want the title of children of God, of Christians that we are so happily telling other people about. We, are, we don't want that to, to be taken away from us. We want to remain children of God, but obedient children. And it's probably not a, the, the most easy message to understand, but that's the Bible. That's the calling that we have. That's the word of the Lord. It's not meant to be nice always to our ears. Sometimes people do like, and we like hearing, God will do X, Y, Z for us. And he does indeed, because there is a reward. But other times it's more about how practical can we apply the word of God? How, pra- how, how practical is the word of God? How truthful it is, we know it is true, but how, how do we, how, what do we do with it? When was the last time we read the Bible and the whole chapter of the Bible? Ten weeks ago? God is telling us, take your Bible, look at what I'm saying, follow the instruction, and go on with it. You don't know how, but I will show you. All what you need is that heart. All what you need is obedience. All what you need is discernment. Don't follow other people who don't give you anything. Don't follow friends who lead you only to things that do not glorify God. Don't follow fashion because these things are passing away. Follow me. For I love you. For I have died for you. For I need you to be sitting next to me in heaven when I come back. How will we respond to that? Simon did respond. John, James, etc., up to 2 billion people. I have responded and you have responded. Let's do more. 
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.